This is Jamie Dyer welcoming you to another edition of The Quocast. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of the podcast, you can email quocast at outlook.com. That's quocast at outlook.com. You can tweet at the quocast on Twitter or go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the quocast. Welcome to the second episode of 2022. In this episode, I will be talking to Andy Gamble, who is a familiar face in the Quo camp. But first, um, I'm going to give a little bit of an update on things that are going on in the Quo universe uh, at the moment. So, unfortunately, uh, the Rhino's Revenge tour that was planned was cancelled due to Rhino getting COVID at the end of December and having issues with his voice, from what I understand. But uh, if you are in very specific areas, some shows have been scheduled. Um, So what we've got here is on the 4th of February, which is a Friday, uh, Rhino's Revenge will be appearing at Chichester Inn in Chichester. Um, I'm very excited about that. Hopefully I can get along to that gig because I haven't seen Rhino's Revenge before. So that is literally on my doorstep. I'm across the way in uh, Bognor Regis. So the next day on February 5th, they are at the Cryer Arts Theatre in, uh, excuse me if I say this uh, incorrectly, Carshalton and Sunday February 6th at the Half Moon Putney which I am told that one is a uh, matinee performance so yeah uh, that is Rhino's Revenge it's worth noting as well that Rhino's Revenge's own Jim Kirkpatrick will open all shows with a solo set Um, From what I can see from Chichester, those tickets are £15. So basically, you're getting two acts for that price, which I think is an absolute bargain. I can't wait to go. Um, That is a very intimate venue in Chichester. I've even played there a couple of times as a musician. That is such an intimate venue, and it's sure to be a rocking evening. Are you going to any of the gigs? Uh, do let me know on socials, etc. And another news item from the last few weeks or so is that John Coglan will be hanging up the drumsticks. Uh, here is the statement. After an incredible career spanning 60 years, former status quo drummer John Coglan has finally decided to hang up his drumsticks. John and his band, John Coglan's Quo, will be playing a series of dates this year, giving fans the opportunity to see John on stage for the last time. So this is the list of dates for John Coglan's Quo Farewell Tour 2022. On the 5th of February, they will begin the tour at Leo's Red Lion in Gravesend, then they'll be off to Bilston to play at Robin 2. Then we have the following venues. Norden Farm Arts Centre in Maidenhead. Trading Boundaries, Fletching, East Sussex. Butlin's Minehead. 
Black Prince in Northampton, The Stables in Milton Keynes, The Brook in Southampton, The Half Moon in Putney, STMS Festival in Tanworth in Arden, Solihull, West End Centre in Aldershot, Wedgwood Rooms in Portsmouth, and finally, on the 24th of September, he will be playing at the Quo Convention at Butlins in Minehead. Those are the venues for John Coglan's Quo Farewell Tour 2022. And you can find out more information, specific dates, ticket details at facebook.com forward slash John Coglan official. I am very sad to read uh, that he will be... Uh, retiring from uh, performing uh, i got the chance to see him in 2013 it was an amazing experience um maybe i'll get to the quo convention are you going to the quo convention are you going to any of these dates do let me know so without further ado here is my chat with andy gamble usually the first question i ask is uh, how did you get into Status quo. Crikey, a long time ago. Um, I think I must have been about 12, 11, 12 years old, and my parents got me 12 gold bars, one and two. I think it was, yeah, 84, around about that time. And I really loved it. And obviously then, little did I know that quo would come off the road, so I didn't really see anything until Live Aid. And then, again, it all went quiet because there was no sort of internet or anything in those days. It was to keep record. And suddenly saw Rolling Home appear on, I think, something like Whack-A-Day or something, if I remember rightly. This Rolling Home uh, video appeared, and I thought, oh, my God, that's the band I like, you know. And it's just gone from there. Just, yeah, on and on and on for the last God knows how many years. Just followed the band. And you've really taken that to heights, haven't you? Because you're quite, you're, you're involved in mm. the band now, aren't you? I mean, give me a little rundown about, you know, your history with working with the band. Well, I suppose when, ever since I got into video TV production, um, obviously, because I'm such a Quo fan, you always want to get into to working with the band. And it was a long time ago, I, I think I contacted Simon Porter. It might have been even through Mike Rano as well, sort of, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And I gradually just kept pestering Sam Porter and I got a meeting with him and I just got onto the ladder of, hey, look, this is what we do. And I, I did some archiving for, for Duroc uh, of some of their tapes first, um, which was, again, there was nothing of any interest. It was just TV appearances, really. But then we got an opportunity to do some filming with Mick Wall around the t pictures era time. Uh, we did some interviews with Francis and Rick, uh, which went well. And then we uh, luckily got asked to do the document, the pictures documentary for Biography Channel. And that's, it's just gone from there. We've done various projects with the band since then, you know, including all the Frantic Four reunion stuff, the first one, which was difficult. <laughs> it, it wasn't easy doing that. Uh, I think the, you know, in hindsight, the second tour would have been easier to work on because the first one was, there was a lot of, you know, difficult things going on but yeah we, we did it and it got done i wish it hadn't been wembley though the wembley gig was difficult to film um logistic problems and you know it would have been better to have done one of the other ones but that was out of my hands <laughs> well I'm, I'm sure from what i remember hammersmith 
was kind of the one that fans wanted because I, I went to one of the gigs in 2013 and it was loud. That oh, yeah. was a real hardcore crowd. But there were apparently extra um, like financial things involved in that because you have to pay for it. I think so, yeah. I think, I think the management would have liked Hammersmith, but I think it, like, financially it was just not feasible to do it there you know whether or not we could have done one of the other venues glasgow was a little bit small possibly to do wolverhampton would have been okay i suppose but uh, it what it it was out of my hands we, we were just told what that it was going to be wembley and and that was it um it's difficult to film there because it's such a high stage even though it's status quo and it's a big band we don't have the huge massive budgets of the massive bands you know so we do have to do it on a slight slight uh, budget we uh scale but it, it turned out okay it turned out okay well there are many fans who are pleased with the work mm. i'm sure um mm. i mean you you've also done the fan club convention you filmed mm. stuff for that yeah. um quite extensively yeah, yeah. yeah i mean that's that's more of a labor of love really I, I, you know the first one we went down and we just i just brought the cameras along and said to Yvonne, look you know I run this company i'm coming anyway <laughs> let's uh let, let's do some filming and uh, yeah, it's just a labour of love for me, the convention. I love going down there and meeting everyone. And it's a great few days, isn't it? So uh, and I, look, I look forward to this one coming. It's going to be great. I mean, we'll be filming again. I mean, I don't really know I mean, who, who's going to be there, what's going to be there. There's probably going to be new new bands there. So whether or not it comes out on DVD or not, I don't know. Uh, it might just be social media stuff we do, but we'll see. Do you have any kind of other like musical interests outside of of Quo? I'm sure you do a lot in your your we kind do, of line yeah. of work. Mm-hmm. We work a lot with the HRH uh, company. They they do a lot of festivals in the, sort of the winter months around the holiday camps and O2 academies. Um, uh, John Cogman's Quo have done couple of them um so yeah there's there's all sorts of sort of bit too bit too heavy for my liking some of it but uh yeah there's there's all sorts of the you know saxon magnum that sort of ilk bands there so it's quite it's quite prestigious and then it's also a good outlet for a lot of the i mean massive wagons came through there um i mean we i remember filming massive wagons when they first started hrh going back 10 years you know so there is a good outlet of rock bands coming through this organization hrh and it's a good it's a good weekend for people who want to go and see good rock music and blues music to do different genres. It's not just it's not just uh, long airs there. <laughs> There's all sorts of, of people, so it's a good yeah, it's a good weekend. So we do a lot for them. Excellent. Well, um, are, are we allowed to talk about rescued recordings? <laughs> well, I, mean, I imagine yeah, I imagine so. Um, <laughs> rescued recordings was yeah, myself and Luke Hargreaves. A few years ago, we just, as you know, all collectors collect bootlegs, don't they, and audience recordings. And I did the same when I was young, got the cassettes, you know. It was just, we just thought it was, it was a way of the the Facebook community and all the Quo fans together just to, to, to get the best recordings we could and also try and raise money for charity. I, I'd sort of handle the CD side of things and we, uh, there's downloads, Luke does the downloads, and then we just raise a bit of money, and we've raised for Shona Smile. I think we've raised seven or eight thousand pounds in the last three years, which is amazing, really. People like it, and we keep doing it. Um, but again, I must emphasise it's it's purely a closed group thing. 
it's it's a it's a donation to charity there's there's no there's no for sale things going on here um and that's rescued recordings and it's taken off and i think we've got uh 2000 members now something like that and it's still growing but a lot of a lot of it was it was luke's idea uh because we saw the glasgow apollo one and he came to me and we we, we just bought heads together and we just did it and uh it's taking off was there any uh like confusion from the management at first for this type of thing i don't know no <laughs> <laughs> I, I i don't know if if the management know about it at all uh, I, I didn't because it was a closed group and it's 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 a collector's thing only. Uh, I haven't I haven't approached it, and I don't think, to be honest with you, that that they, they would they would mind it. Well, I mean, considering um, you know what has gone on to the deluxe albums, um, was there any more material out there? Do you know about that type of thing? Like, how much material hasn't been released? Quite a bit, more than. More than fans think, uh, I think over the last, uh, again, I've got to be, things are in discussion at the moment, so I've got to be a bit careful what I say, but the, there is more out there than people think. Um, there's, I mean, I, I can say that there's definitely the Hammersmith 1979 show uh, that was fully recorded on 24 track that's never been released. So things like that. There are, there are some, a lot of live, live recordings that have, have never come out. Studio stuff again, lots of demos, few unreleased tracks. So it's the uh, yeah, there's the, the, the some jams. Unfortunately, as you know, or, or may not know, Quo's Quo's archive is in an absolute mess. It really is. There's been no one over the last forty years really taking care of it, uh, and it's yeah. You know, I've, I've been trying to do it for the last ten years, trying to build uh, an ultimate catalogue of audio and video recordings. But again, it's still a lot of it's in the people own third party own these things and, and, and trying to find them and locate them has been very difficult, especially the early seventies stuff. Uh, it's, it's gone. Unfortunately, all that stuff, um, apart from the masters, there's no studio stuff unless someone's got them in their garage somewhere. I mean, I do talk to people like Pip and Mike Paxman and people like that. Uh, and they've got a few things which have given me. So um, let's just see what happens, Jamie. <laughs> do you think perhaps that is uh a, a, that's a business decision right they they might be a bit wary about releasing some of this stuff because it doesn't sell enough units interest like for example i've i've heard rumors i don't know um fully but i've heard rumors that there are some stuff from the mid 90s floating around sort of demos and studio stuff when you look at the um the way that those albums of that period were received, you might think, well, there's no point releasing that because people didn't like what, you know, what was put out. Um, do you know what I mean? I do. Uh, yeah. I mean, as much as I like all areas of the band, I, I, I do appreciate that the biggest market is going to be for the the seventies and eighties stuff really, isn't it? I, I appreciate that. But unfortunately for a project like this, that's the stuff that's a bit thin on the ground. So it, it is a balancing act. And I think, again, the, because it has to go through Universal, this project, if it ever does come off the ground, because Francis and Rick sold their rights to Universal long ago, uh, we are in, in their hands. So, uh, again, it's down to units. And with, with CD sales falling off and, and physical 
physical product falling off, it's it's quite a difficult decision to do something. But I imagine if it is going to happen, um, it would be a collector's box set thing. Um, fingers crossed. <laughs> and I'm fingering micro. I'm crossing my fingers there for people who can't see. <laughs> so let's see. Let's see what happens. I get on really well with Simon, and he knows all about the project. But it's slightly out of his hands as well, and, and within somebody else's hands. Um, but there's a lot of stuff, that, and, and I'd love for all the fans to hear it. Uh, it there's, there's a lot of, of material, especially sort of from the yeah the eight yeah the eighties and nineties, which I suppose. You might turn around and say, well, I don't really want that, but there's a, there's a lot. I think the the issue with the 80s is that the, sometimes the what can be perceived as overproduction perhaps spoils people's memories of it. You go and listen back to stuff and you've got the, the gated drums, the really kind of thick 80s bass and the, the obvious thing being all the keyboards mm, as well. And right. perhaps if some of that stuff was remixed, you'd have a different different vibe about it possibly so yeah i mean i mean it's a different it's I suppose that's different projects isn't it remixing the actual albums from the the master multi-tracks is a it is a different story really i mean you know john eden did a great job of rocking over the world if you can't stand the heat and whatever you want do exist in multi-track form i don't think there's anything before rocking over the world that still exists in multi-track form unfortunately but there is yeah the there is albums after that. I've got all the studio tapes of the back-to-back sessions in Montserrat, and it, it's great just hearing the band just playing, you know, in that in that famous old studio. You know, and there's a few unreleased tracks as well kicking about from from all these eras. So, um, as I said, let's just hope that we get the green light to uh, to get this project off the ground. I'm sure you can't say too much, but is that uh, before? Like, are those tapes before it was? sent into production or is that uh is that the the kind of uh, the finished product no they're the actual studio tapes so there's diff- there's, right. there's there's alternate takes of 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 tracks so it's not it's not the master album it's right. actual studio tapes so that's where the gems lie i think a big a big problem that we have working with such a massive organization as universal is that they have so many artists and, and all their tapes are just catalogued by somebody just reading what's on the t- on the box and cataloging it into a PDF document. What I've learned as, uh, oh yeah, a quick story of how I also got into this is that I went down to Francis's house. Uh, Bob Young told me that Francis was throwing tapes away. He went around and Francis was had a skip and there was a lot of tapes in it. So, we Bob managed to stop him, and he, I think he told Simon. And Simon said to me, "Andy, get down in a van ASAP and get these tapes because Francis is going to throw them away." So I did. I got a van, went down, and cleared his studio of all these tapes, and that's where a lot of these gems were found. So yeah, if it wasn't for Bob just nipping round to Francis's house, <laughs> there could have been a lot gone. I mean, there might have been a lot already thrown, but Francis, bless him, he's, he's not. It's something that doesn't really appeal to the band this type of thing no they're very much a looking forward type of group yeah yeah absolutely i mean even at this late stage in their career you you know it's uh still i don't think anything that francis would be interested in but hey doesn't matter wasn't it that the rocking all over the world tapes were found in his garage Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they just, we just happened to find them. I mean, some of the tapes are in a dreadful state, as as people have probably seen on John Eden's uh, videos, really good videos of remixing. There's a lot of restoration has to be done with these tapes um, before we can even get them on the tape machines to, to actually play them. Well, we, we actually dehydrate them. Uh, I think John baits them, but we actually use a food dehydrator, which you put the tape in, takes all the moisture off it, and it just makes it easy to play. So um, all, all the Milton Keynes reels as well. We've got a lot of the Milton Keynes show uh, in 24 track as well as we've got so loads of stuff I don't want to give too much away it's <laughs> alright we'll, we'll get off of that conversation and obviously no, at a okay. later stage if you want to come back and talk about that when you're mm. allowed to then please yeah, do yeah. Um, but do you have this is such a, an obvious question but do you have uh, like a particular favourite album from the band I'd say probably two or three uh, I mean I've always loved Blue For You I've, I've also had a look there I've really liked If You Can't Stand The Heat. I know it's not a favourite of a lot of people, but I've, I've really loved that album. Um, I, I like the brass and stuff on, on the tracks. Uh, I, I, really, I really like that. Um, and then coming sort of to more, more... and In The Army Now will always be a favourite because it was the first album I ever bought on, a, on release day when it came out. So I do like that. And more modern ones, Quid Pro Quo, I think, was 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 a good album probably a bit too long really too many tracks on it i think but it's uh yeah the last the last four or five are a bit fillers but it's there's some great stuff on quid pro quo i think do you think that's the issue with the more modern releases is just too many tracks possibly yeah possibly i think so i think that's you know there's the odd track that just going through the motions type tracks out there, you know, in, in, in my opinion, you know, things like my old ways and things like that. Just, they're just neither here nor there, are they? <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> well, yeah. at, at the beginning of the CD period, um, say starting with rock to you drop, you could see why they would add extra tracks because it a- mm. adds extra value means more yeah. sale. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, uh, I mean, there was also different formats, wasn't there? You know, your vinyl format and your cassette format. But, I mean, nowadays it doesn't matter, does it? It's physical sales are, are next to nothing, uh, which, again, could be a sticking point for the uh, for this project. But um, I think I think one of the problems as well is, is Quo's, Quo's audience. You know, who's, who's going to buy Quo releases these days? You've got your hardcore fans, you know, like us, and yourself, who, who, will, who will always buy them. But, you know, who's going to buy a state's quarry release now apart from those people, which is quite difficult, really. I don't know where you would aim it at anymore, um, which is why, as I said before, we would go down the collector's route, really, rather than a big general release. I don't think I don't think those days exist anymore for Quo, unfortunately. Are you planning on seeing them live on the next tour? Oh, yeah. I, I like to go as a fan as well. You know, even when even when we're working with them, I never want to you know, come away from keep blagging the management for tickets. I want to do, I want to go as a fan because that's what I've always done. So yeah, I'll be there enjoying it. Um, whether or not there'll be any filming done of this tour, I don't know. I've, I've approached them, but they're not keen uh, on doing much. So but I'm, I'm sure one will get filmed, but uh, yeah, I'm going to enjoy it. Let's just hope that they change the set around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you. They've been asking that for the past 30 years, haven't they? (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. I know. 
And, uh, it doesn't hold much hope when they're only, I think they're only going to go in for a couple of weeks out of the rehearsals. So. Well, we're, just as we're recording this, Rhino has just come out and said that he's got COVID. Uh, well, the management mm. said that they, that uh, he was diagnosed with COVID, tested mm. positive for COVID, to use the right terminology, um, mm. in December, and obviously has had to cancel yeah. all of the Rhino's Revenge shows. So we'll just have to wait and see on that. Obviously, this is coming out about two weeks after I record it, so who knows what would have happened. To talk about Rhino's uh, live album for a moment, I thought that was a really interesting idea because he doesn't play huge venues. He plays sort of like theatres and, and smaller venues. And so I, I, haven't, um, I haven't even listened to the sample that they gave out because I was like, well, I want to come through the door and listen to it from the off and get a feel for it. I imagine that the sound is a little bit more intimate than say a big scale release yeah i mean for to say they're only a three-piece well they were they were at the convention when we filmed them uh they give off a hell of a racket for a three-piece really really good and really tight and and jim's amazing guitar player anyway isn't he so i thought I, I i really i really like the band i think i think they do a great job of two-way traffic as well i think it's superb and yeah hopefully get well soon rhino and let's hope that it doesn't affect the uh you know the quotes or the quote rehearsals so i'm sure they're all itching to get out aren't they especially leon and uh, richie crikey i bet they <laughs> can't wait to get back on stage well i know that uh leon's been touring mm. with middle night men and and perhaps a couple of other things he's he's always busy i think he's possibly mm. the busiest member of the band at the moment Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Funny little story, actually. The, the the studio that we used to do all the transfers of the multi tracks, uh, the guy who runs it actually went to college with Leon. <laughs> so, so I'm, I sort of roll in with all these twenty four track tapes, and he looks at the label, says, "Well, ah, yeah, I know, I know the guy. That's Leon, yeah." So, uh, I think I think he's done a bit of recording there, actually, uh, in Leeds, uh, Leon, on some of his releases. Yeah, I, th I think so. I think he's. Uh, I think he's been all over the place. The amount of uh, places and bands he's played in is quite phenomenal. Have you been to see any tribute bands? What quote tribute bands or just yeah. general quote yeah, ones? Yeah, yeah. I, I say I've seen a few uh, going to the conventions. I was up at the Scottish one recently, and yeah, Big Fat Mama, the Swedish guys just blew blew everyone else away. To be honest with you, they were absolutely fantastic. And states quotes, of course. We did their DVD uh, for them from the convention last year or year before, whenever it was. I think you had Ray on here, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we did their DVD. They're, they're great as well, aren't they? They're superb. Playing all those different album tracks, it's, uh, you know, I think I'd like to pop the DVD in Francis's hand and just say, look, this is what uh, this is what tribute bands are doing. There's no reason why you can't do it. You know, it's... Uh, well, I know when I had Ray on, um, I, I know that the, the podcast was praised after that because he was going into kind of the technical side of things. He seemed to go into a much greater level of detail. And I, I know that fans on the outside would perhaps be, be very, um, I don't know, kind of puzzled by the fact that the music sounds so simple. And yet there's a lot going on inside it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, it's like the, you know, the way they start the set with hard time. It's 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 
you know, that's, I don't think that's an easy song to play. But I, I mean, the way the way they do it seems seems so effortless. I think they've they must spend a lot of time in rehearsals getting getting these tracks because they're they're spot on, aren't they? As well. I mean, I don't know if you've you've seen the DVD, but some of these album tracks are. A superb, you know, Lonely Man and things like that. In fact, they were going to leave Lonely Man off, if I remember right. I had to bully them to put it on. It was fantastic. <laughs> I think sometimes the musicians are a little bit precious about the odd little bum note here and there, but uh, pe- people lapped it up on the night. I remember uh, that co- that particular convention was amazing. And, yeah, hopefully the DVD does the band justice, apart from the lights. Yeah, if, if you're the lighting man from, the, from Minehead, you did a terrible job on that. <laughs> it took about took about 15 minutes for him to get the front lights on but, um... and of course unlike a, a quo release that wouldn't have been overdubbed that would have been as it was heard no no it was mixed yeah the the i mean i don't that that was you'll have to ask ray that uh, all all the audio was sent to ray and they they did a job on it so i imagine there might have been a little uh <laughs> little uh overdub here and there because they, they are quite uh you know they do want it spot on, those boys, and rightly so. Well, I know sometimes when when you go and listen to various versions of things, certainly in the in what I call the Quo universe, you listen to two live versions from the same gig, and there's always like a little little difference or a little sound, and you think, oh, they, they've overdubbed or done something there. Yeah. I think the thing that comes to mind, obviously, it's uh, thirty years this year since the uh, Radio One gig well. that became live a live quo and yeah, yeah. i want to say that two versions of that gig came out one on the original album and one for live at the bbc mm. and i think the the sound on it is slightly different on on both yeah. of them possibly i mean without knowing where the, where looking at the list of universal's masters that there are different mixes sort of available uh so without knowing where they got it from uh it's difficult to say whether they whether it was remixed or, or just tweaked or whatever, but uh, I think I've got the masters of that show as well. Uh, the uh, the live live Sutton Park gig, but I mean whether or not these will ever get remixed is it is probably not to be honest with you. I mean I don't know the sales figures for the deluxe editions, so I, I can't really comment. But I can't imagine they're that high to warrant bothering redoing them. Really, to be honest with you, especially after they've all been done as deluxe editions. Um, I don't think they'll come out again. And yet I thought the the Rock To You Drop Deluxe was superb. There was a mix of live yeah. and all the tracks that hadn't been included on the previous enhanced edition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I've got all the, all the reels of, I've got the four live shows in their entirety. So that's, again, something that we've we put into Universal to put these out. Otherwise, they're just going to sit... <laughs> on a shelf and unfortunately there's nothing i can do about it i can't put them out because they're owned by universal so which i think simon in fairness to him he does appreciate that the fact that while we still can and while us quo fans are still here and relatively sane of mind <laughs> that we can buy these things and, and they can at least make some money i mean i think we've got to appreciate that status quo we're at a level now where you know they're not a massive selling band anymore uh, for for record releases, so um, that's why we have to go down this box route. As I said before, repeating myself, we have to go down this box box set route. So let's fingers crossed. I mean, there's there's always going to be other kind of 
more more in-depth releases like we had with Alan Lancaster's Bombers. There's always going to be those kind of things that sidestep because they wouldn't have been owned by that big company. It would, I think they sat in Alan's back room or something, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're getting into a whole ream of, of, of yeah, one, one of the big problems with Quo is the fact that different people own different things. As we know, there's been fallouts uh along the way so it's uh it's quite difficult for, for a project like status quo to get everything in one place um other people have got their own ideas of what they want to do rightly or or wrongly is that's 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 not a decision i can make and it's not uh but i mean i think jason's did a great job of getting that bombers um album out that was that was superb uh i think he needs to press a few more though because it seems to be some people are selling them for extortionate prices on eBay, aren't they, at the moment? Well, that, that's what tends to happen. I know the Live at the BBC box set suffers the mm. same fate because it was originally a certain price and now it's like four times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I remember buying that. But, yes, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing the, the sales figures for the, all of deluxe editions. I mean, uh, you know, especially something like Famous in the Last Century or something like that. I mean... How many did that sell? <laughs> did you buy one? Was there one? Was there yeah. was there a deluxe edition for for that album? Yeah, yeah. The other might even not have been, might they? Friends in the last century. But perfect. There was perfect remedy, wasn't there? And ain't complaining and things. But I think some of them, unfortunately, they're just you know like the never too late one. They just whacked on a bootleg, didn't they? And it covered about disc and a half. <laughs> but. Uh, well, when there's so little, I, I guess, that has been uh, recorded in that, that era, and with Never Too Late status as kind of being part of the same session as the previous album, what do you do about that? Well, exactly, yeah. But, you know, all Universal have to do is look in their archive or come and ask me, and they would have found something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, personally speaking, as as a as a fan, I have only bought I think one deluxe edition, um, and that was the Rocking All Over the World one because it had the remix on it, and I think perhaps yeah. a lot of fans are the same. I've got the previous Tim Turan um, mixes from the mid two thousands. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not a completist, and I think perhaps a lot of fans are like they're like, well, I, I've got the album, mm. or I can stream it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not a completist either. I, I I used to be. I used to collect everything, you know, up to about the mid '90s, and I just I just got fed up of it. So, well, I'm never I'm never going to get rid of these things. I'm never going to. And then, you know, Spotify comes round, and you lose your your record player, don't you? But that's since come back in now. So, um, yeah, I'm not a completist either. But I mean, I, I'd possibly like to know if if that there was a, a box set come out of all these unreleased things, would people be interested in buying it? You know? Well, they'd have one sale here and one sale there. <laughs> get in touch to Jamie and, he'll, and let's, let's get the, uh, let's do a pre-sale. <laughs> <laughs> Cue the emails to me or to you going, when are they coming out? When are they coming out? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I, come back to me in a couple of months and I might have some answers for you. <laughs> Mind you, I've been saying that for eight years. <laughs> you know, it's been it's been a long project. All the time that they 
start recording new stuff. You know, Rhino was talking about writing some new songs a couple of years ago when I interviewed him. So they're they're constantly thinking ahead and thinking about the next thing. And they might r- record, you know, a concert or two from the next tour. Yeah. Um, because these days, I think you never know when it's going to be the last one. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I, again, I was talking with Mike Paxman recently. I was giving him some... and. I, th- I think the problem is that I, th- I think that Adele have have got all the live here now releases now, uh, all the live stuff. So whether or not they're going to do anything with those, I don't know. Possibly, uh, but you know, how many how many times do we need Caroline Rockland of the World, whatever you want in the army now, releasing again live? You know, it's uh, officially. I mean, you know, it's if they did a great new set next tour would be fantastic wouldn't it but if it's just going to be caroline something by a baby light rain roll over whatever you know i don't think there'll be much interest really although in recent years they've changed around some of the arrangements for those things they've lowered keys and stuff to accommodate singers yeah that's that's right yeah yeah I and mean, you know rhino and richie take lead vocal on some things now don't they uh let's see but i mean they're getting older aren't they you know it's uh you know, got to have the same energy. I, I, I can see maybe the set coming down in length a little bit. Um, but let's see. Let's see next month. Hopefully, if it goes ahead, Jamie. <laughs> you know, with this COVID kicking about, anything could happen, couldn't it? Yeah, who knows? I, I know mm-hmm. sometimes there's this theory that if they stop touring, that's when all the recordings will start to come out. The, the, yeah. I mean, in, in the discussions I've had with Simon, that 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 has come to light. Uh, you know, especially if they were going to put a lot of marketing behind something, that it at the moment they would be more interested in it—a new release and following that up with, you know, a tour or whatever, uh, as we've had for the last twenty odd years. But as we're coming to the end now, I, I might not have another album now, so it's probably the time. It's the time. <laughs> yeah so we we shall um draw this to a close but uh, normally the last question i ask these days in in the recent episodes is if you could recommend one or two albums of quo to somebody who perhaps hasn't heard it uh very much then what would you recommend oh that's a very good question jamie that's a very good question um i suppose, I suppose again it depends if, if you want to give them a rounded view of what you think Quo's music is, or if they want to give them a, you know, you could give them a Quo album, couldn't you? And say, right, this is, this is what we grew up. This is the sound. This is everything to, or pile driver or something like that. Then if you wanted to give them a more rounded view of some of the other flavors of Quo do, you could give them a, something like, uh, I don't know, thinking now, fourth chord album. That's got quite a lot of varied material on it, hasn't it? Uh, writing from, from all the band members on that album. Um, yeah. Or Rock Tea Drop. Yeah. Rock Tea Drop is sort of in the middle there because the production perhaps occasionally lets it down, but the the energy is there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could probably say about 15 albums, to be honest with you, Damon, because I'd say Dog of Two Head as well, because I love that. I'm a Quo fan, so, uh, you know, with the, with the exception of four albums, I like. I, I mean, 
you know, I, I don't particularly dislike one album. You know, it, it, there's great things on all albums and there's rubbish on all albums. You know, it's, it, I, I fall in that camp. But I'm not one of these people that says, right, everything after that era is pathetic and everything before that's great. It, it's not right, is it? It's, there's, there's, there's great things on all albums. That is a very true statement, in my opinion. Um, okay. Thank you, Andy, for being on the podcast today. You're welcome. Thanks a lot, Jamie. Thanks for having me. So I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Andy Gamble for being a guest on the podcast today. And also, um, hopefully he will come back in a few weeks to talk more about working with the Frantic Four on that first Frantic Four reunion tour and lots of other things as well.